Hello, Bruchem Aboyim. Welcome, everybody, to the Halacha Podcast. We talk today about upcoming holidays of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. The next few weeks, God willing, we'll be talking a little bit about some of the interesting customs and laws regarding these holidays. Perhaps the most important and most well-known mitzvah associated with Rosh Hashanah is that of blowing the shofar. Matter of fact, in the Torah, the Torah refers to this day as, as the day that the, the shofar is blown. Makes no mention of the fact that it's the Jewish New Year, which in itself is in kind of interesting. But the mitzvah of blowing the shofar seems to hold a very important part, integral part of the day. The rabbis offer several suggestions why that's the case. The Torah doesn't really tell us the reason behind it, but nevertheless, the rabbis offer many, many different explanations. The Rambam seems to say that the idea behind the sounding of the shofar is a wake-up call to do tshuva which fits in very nicely with the idea of a day of judgment. Rosh Hashanah is a day of judgment, the new day of the new year, day of judgment, and therefore it's a wake-up call for us to do tshuva. Ben Gon offers 10 different explanations for the reason of the blooding of the shofar. Some, we're not going to go through all of them, but some of them are associated with the idea as a commemorating the giving of the Torah when the when the, the sounding of the shofar. It also reminds us of the Tchiyasamesim, the resurrection of the dead where it tells us there too, that says the shofar on that day will, will, will be blown. Rosh also marks the anniversary of the creation. It reminds us that the coronation of a, of a king, the, the, sound, the sounding of a trumpet when the king was coronated. And since the anniversary of creation, we coronate the king on this day, that's the sounding of the shofar too. Another explanation is because it comes commemorate that Kedis Yitzchak. Okay, it's Yitzchak, when Yitzchak, when the binding of Yitzchak, which is one of the important themes that we that we mentioned during the Rosh Hashanah prayers, the, the that's the when Yitzchak was uh, was uh, Avram God instructed Yitz, Avram to bring his son Yitzchak as an offering, and he brought him, and, and when they just last minute before he's ready to slaughter him, he tied him up, and just as he's ready to slaughter him, the voice came from heaven to stay allowed to that he should not touch him at all. Torah tells that Avram looked up and he saw a ram that was caught by its horns in the thickets and the thistles, and therefore he went and he took the ram and he slaughtered the ram in, in the place of Yitzchak. That act of, of selflessness and his ability of being able to offer his most cherished, beloved son to, to the Almighty, and that's, that in itself was a tremendous merit that, comes, that helped assist the Jewish people in their defense. So the, the sounding of the shofar reminds us of the ram of Avram that he brought as a, as a replacement for his son. Interesting, when the, when the shofar is brought up, the shofar is generally blown by the, in the middle of the shul by the bima, not in the front. And the, when the chazan or the person blowing the shofar makes the brachas on the shofar, the shofar is supposed to be covered. The reason for that, several explanations offered. One of them is because since it comes a commemoration of the binding of Yitzchak, Torah tells us, first of all, when, when Avram brought Yitzchak up to be offered, Yitzchak asks Avram, here I see I see the wood, and I see the fire, but I don't see the sheep. So the rabbis point out, Avram had taken a knife with him also. How come the knife was not visible? It says he hid the knife at that time because he wanted to make sure there wouldn't be any problems. He wouldn't, didn't want to frighten Yitzchak and perhaps invalidate him as a sacrifice. Others say that Avram hid Yitzchak himself, actually, because he wanted to protect him from the sultan trying to disqualify him as a sacrifice. So because uh, in, in, this, in, the, in the shof, in the, excuse me, in the Akedah, 
either Yitzchak or the knife was covered over, we cover over the shofar also, which commemorates that. Nevertheless, even though the shofar is covered, the person blowing the shofar is supposed to hold the shofar underneath the cover, because that's the luck when you make a blessing on something, you're supposed to hold it in your hand. You're supposed to hold it in his right hand, actually. Now, the Torah tells us the word trua, the sounding of the shofar, a blast of the shofar, three times. Elsa were taught that the words, the, the trua, the sound of the shofar, is also preceded and succeeded by a tekiya. Now, tekiya is a long, uninterrupted sound. The trua implies an interrupt, interrupted sound. So for that reason, since it says trua three times and each one is succeeded and preceded by a sound of a, of a tekiya, a sound of an unblast, uninterrupted blast, we see from over there we're supposed to have nine blasts to be blown. Now, the Talmud actually has a dispute, though, what exactly is a trua? We know that it's a broken sound, but it's not clear if it's just broken like into a few sounds or it's broken into like a staccato type of a sound and many, many different tiny sounds. Because we're not certain, we cover all bases. We can't just do the combination of the both, a sound along the tekiya and the shvorim, trua, and then the tekiya again. The shvorim is the th- sounding of like three broken sounds. The trua is like the staccato sounds. And then the trua, tekiya again, because since each sound has to be preceded and succeeded by the long sound, if indeed one of those is not the correct sound, then it's, it's either not being preceded or succeeded by the right sound, by the sound of the tekiah. So for that reason, we have three sets of sounds. First of all, shvorm tua, because perhaps it's the combination of both types of sounds, the broken sounds and the, the three broken sounds, or the staccato, tiny little sounds. So we do the tekiah, the shvorm tua, and tekiah three times. And then in the event that trua means the shavorim, the three broken sounds, we again, we precede it, tekiah, shavorim, tekiah, three times. And then in case the word trua implies the small staccato type of sounds, we have tekiah, trua, tekiah, three times, another nine sounds. So for total, that's 12 plus nine plus nine, which is a total of 30 sounds. So the Torah obligates us in just in those nine sounds, which because of doubt, we blow 30 sounds. Added to those, the rabbis also com- had additional sounds. They went to sounding of the shofar um, before the prayers and then again during the prayers. The rabbis tell us the purpose of that was to, to confuse the satan. The satan hears the different types of sounds in the shofar. He's, he's, he's afraid maybe the Mashiach has come right now. And therefore as such, because he, 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 won't, try to, he won't try to prosecute the Jewish people. So that, that for that, we have to repeat the same type of number of sounds again. So it's 30 sounds before uh, prayers, and then 30, prayer, 30 sounds again during the, during the Musaf. And then many people have the custom after the Musaf prayers to blow an additional 40 sounds for a total of 100 sounds. So sound the sound of the shofar 100 times. The significance of 100 times is based on a passage in a medrash. The passage tells us that when Sisro, who was the Syrian general, that he promised his mother that he would go wage war against the Jewish people, and when he had plundered and bring back the booty, he would give his mother the choicest selections to be able to pick some for herself. And the mother was waiting for him to come back. The prophets tell us that Sisya was killed at war. Yael, a Jewish woman, actually killed him. So his mother was waiting for him to come back, and she's waiting and waiting expectantly and anxiously until he was going to come back and bring her the gifts. And it tells that you know, she started crying, sobbing. And the Midrash tells us that she sobbed 101 sounds, 101 different types of, of sounds of crying, 
waiting for a son to come back. Devorah, the prophetess, actually mentions this in her song that she sings about, about the victory of the Jewish people over Sisra. And she alludes to this, to this, the crying, this, the incessant sobbing of, of this wicked man's mother who wasn't concerned about his victim. She was only concerned about her son. So therefore, to counter those sounds, we blow a hundred sounds. But the Sefer HaTodah explains we don't blow a hundred and one sounds because we have compassion. She's still a mother. And despite the fact that she may have been wicked and her son was wicked too, we have to have at least some compassion in our hearts for the crying of a mother over a child. So we blow a hundred sounds to counter a hundred of her, of her cries, and one of them we don't, we don't, we leave it as is. Now, the idea of the, uh, some of the Hasidic masters explained the idea of the three different types of sounds. The tekiya, initial tekiya, is a sound of a straight, clear sound. It represents man's original, original virtuous lifestyle, living a life of, of, of peacefulness. The broken sound of the shvorim represents the spiritual breakdown as a result of his sinning. This is followed by the trua, which is the sobbing sound. That's the sound of tshuva, the person regrets and cries over the fact that he sinned. And then this is followed again by the long, unbroken sound, the tekiah, representing that once a person does tshuva, he's back to where he was in the very beginning. These are some of the ideas behind the sounding of the shofar. God willing, next week we'll continue on. Have a great week, everybody. Ever think about starting your own podcast? The Maverick Podcasting Network makes creating and running your podcast easy and fun. Visit maverickpodcasting.com to get started today.